stress is the enemy of learning. Unfortunately, when you do test, test, test uh, preparation throughout, you know, much of well, the first half of year, year nine almost, and year seven, and year five, and year three, as if they didn't get it the first time back in year three, unfortunately, it increases the anxiety and it takes up an awful lot of teaching time. Welcome to CQ University Commentary, the podcast bringing you our experts to explore and dissect issues that affect you, your family, and your community. Subscribe now so you don't miss an episode and join the conversation on CQ University social media. This episode was recorded during the global coronavirus outbreak. As a result, CQ University has dedicated the first season of this podcast to focus on conversations about the issues from COVID-19 that you may not have considered, but are still changing the world we live in today. In following social distancing advice from the government, our interviewers and experts conducted these conversations remotely so you may experience a lower quality of audio recording. Visit the CQ University website for more information on our response to COVID-19 and advice for students and staff. Learning outcomes should actually improve without the added stress of NAPLAN tests in 2020. That's according to school testing and educational neuroscience expert, Professor Ken Purnell of CQ University, who joins me today. Thanks, Ken. Good morning, Jess. Before we get started, for those listeners and viewers who aren't already across this topic, can you please explain what NAPLAN is and how it works? Great. NAPLAN is a test that students do in literacy and numeracy in schools, and uh, it's uh, in state schools, it's compulsory throughout Australia, and other schools elect, and many of them elect to do it. So the vast majority of Australian students in years three, five, seven, and nine do the NAPLAN test uh, each year. And uh, yeah, it provides information about the literacy and numeracy abilities of individuals and groups like your class, uh, the school and so on, which is a very good thing. So uh, where students need support, uh, then we're able to uh, offer that. And that was the original idea. The big problem in that, though, is that it became um, an accountability tool. So it had the twin issues, if you like, of, yes, we want to identify those students and support them. Um, through this test and say, you know, this group of students needs help. But no, unfortunately, principals and teachers became very accountable to the extent that you could lose your job as a principal almost in some places if your results weren't so good. So as a principal, they began to do some gaming things like ensuring that the low performing students weren't there to do the test. The very ones that we were trying to identify for the original purposes, and that's why NAPLAN gets uh, criticised a fair bit because of that dual accountability where it should stay realistically with its original goal rather than an accountability measure. Okay, well, just on that topic then, um, do you believe that NAPLAN testing is uh, is needed, is a requirement given the criticism that currently surrounds it? So, you know, there's um, everything from the testing is too narrow to NAPLAN actually harms students given the level of anxiety and stress that's actually put on them. Well, the current way that NAPLAN's done has uh, evolved as a historic artefact. And I think as a result of our current crisis with the uh, uh, pandemic and so forth, it means that people will be looking at things differently. But before this, the folks who look after this for Australia actually were looking at making NAPLAN adaptive. So let's say, Jess, that you're brilliant at maths and I'm not. What happens is we're both in year nine. And as you go through the test, it keeps on stretching you and making it harder. But it doesn't give me, who's not so good at numeracy, 
questions I go, oh, I can't do this. It adapts to both of us. So your brilliance can be shown. And also I feel good that I haven't had the sort of questions you have where I would have just walked out going, I'm hopeless. So yeah, it's important that it is adaptive and we're going to do that. I think the key thing we really want is information on students' literacy and numeracy like is intended with some form of testing, maybe not nationwide, but giving teachers real-time results because often the delay between the kids sitting the test and getting results is a few months and teachers become disinterested in using those results uh, in some cases. In other cases, they find it exceptionally valuable. So yeah, right now it's uh, not performing uh, in the modern era in the way that it ought, but there were plans to fix it with adaptive testing, which is great. But the biggest problem of all is stress. Okay. And from top neuroscientists in the world, like Dr. Judy Willis, who is a neurosurgeon, all the rest of it, and a teacher, because folks used to come in with their kids to her clinic. And as a neurologist, they'd say, there's something wrong with my child. And she'd do the scans and do other behavioral things and so on and so forth, the different tests, and say, no, there's not. There's something wrong out in school land. And she then became a teacher because she said, I don't want to be sitting in my armchair talking about this, so I'll go for it. And she's now one of the world's leading neuroeducation people, but she has that medical background and it's absolutely fantastic and the teaching background. And one of the lovely statements she makes that I find profoundly true in neuroscience is stress is the enemy of learning, dysfunctional stress. So, yeah, unfortunately, when you do test, test, test uh, preparation throughout, you know, much of well, the first half of year, year nine almost, and year seven, and year five, and year three, as if they didn't get it the first time back in year three, but you know, I've got to repeat it every couple of years. Do this sort of stuff, unfortunately, it increases the anxiety, and it takes up an awful lot of teaching time. So the poor kids are getting very anxious, and we've got enough mental health issues in Australia, as we already know, with one in five of our students uh, displaying some form of um, mental health issue, and in fact, it's seen by year 12, it's almost one in two. Wow. So let's back it off. Mm. Okay. No, that's very interesting. Now, um, given that NAPLAN testing has been cancelled for 2020, what are some of the positives that have come of this uh, in terms of students, teachers and even markers? Well, I think one of the big things with this pandemic now is that we're, we're all concentrating more on our physical and mental health. And I think there will be both uh, improvements for students, obviously not making themselves uh, vulnerable potentially. And of course, the invigilation of those tests means that you've often got older Australians and so on involved as teachers or whatever. And so it, it does away with that, which is uh, which is good. But also that, that, that time where people are able to sit back and think, how can we do this better? Because one, one of the big things out of this time right now is that we're going to have lots of opportunities to do things differently. And for example, much of our schooling model, um, again, I'm talking to top neuroscientists, and I said, but you say our schools are fear-based, afraid, you know, scary sort of places, as opposed to approach-based. So I'm curious, I want to learn about this. So the, the answer from that person was, uh, unfortunately, Australian schools and many others around the world are, are very much fear-based, not approach-based and uh, that sort of thing. So. As we move into this new environment, I think we'll be able to move away from the almost 18th century, 19th century model of education with kids sitting in rows and you know, doing that from an early age and this sort of stuff we know is not 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 particularly good, especially early childhood educators uh, know that well. And I think we'll see that the online opportunities that are provided 
because a lot of schools are going to be moving their um, learning platforms and so forth from the typical industrial age classroom to a an online environment and if you just replicate what you did in the classroom I could, one of the things i think just will be a big advantage of this is that one of the greatest pd cries of teachers is give me behavior management stuff i have problems okay. with students and so because almost that behavior management issue drops off you're going to have more time for teachers to actually spend on thinking about how can i create really great learning experiences that are brain friendly for my students powerful and effective rather than worrying about what am i going to do with john and mary again today yeah yeah okay and um some of the innovations that we are currently seeing in the uh, particularly the primary and secondary school sectors do you think that these will continue post pandemic and may even um, be built upon moving into the future yeah, I think it will be, yeah, just because you got a situation. I uh, received an email overnight from the top body in geographical education in the world from the International Geographical Union. And with that, they were saying, colleagues, what are you doing? Because we've put a lot of our stuff online. How are you helping the students to, for example, get a better education that can prepare them for such things as this critical, emotional, unstable time? You know, this sort of unprecedented disruption to learning and all the rest of it that could potentially happen. And our teacher facing up to that straight away and doing some brilliant things so that, as the Prime Minister says, we're trying to ensure that education goes on quite, not quite seamlessly, but quite fluently and quite well. And as a result of that, yes, we've had to, at, at this very short notice, involve parents and carers and others uh, to assist. But what we want out of this too with the actual children is better ways of being able to provide learning experiences and to help them to develop that resolve and the commitment to uh, experiencing things, if you like, where they're able to evidence better resilience, able to adapt better, and to collaborate with others and be very empathetic with others. So I think this moves us away from some of those issues that we were commonly seeing in schools potentially to an entirely new world, to an entirely new ball game, potentially. I don't see us returning, um, you know, as they're saying, for example, with office spaces in the central business district, uh, working from home, a number of businesses are finding very successful and you don't have to have the face-to-face. -face. We have to have the face-to-face. -face. That's so obviously critical. But I think we'll find that um, prices of CBD offices might drop initially <laughs> and those that have to look after those will worry about what to do there. Yeah, uh, yeah. But <laughs> I think we'd have experienced the same in education. What okay. was once they were doing business is a little bit, but we can focus a lot more on really quality achievement by students and improving their wellness, far more so than we've done in the past. Okay, so there's a lot of benefits that are are going to come out of this tough time that we're currently facing by the sounds of it. What are some of the innovations in particular that you've come across, uh, you know, during this pandemic that have really stood out for you? Well, one of the fun ones is um, one of my good colleagues has been at a school in Brisbane for many years and it's got over 2,000 students, a big one. And uh, anyway, I was having a look at their resources because they've been online for a bit and they do a lot of stuff like that and it's pretty smick. And of course, I've been involved in distance education since you know three decades or whatever, yeah. and reasonable at it. And I went, "Wow, isn't that great?" 
And one of the things we're doing at the university is, of course, making ours better and better all the time, naturally. And I'm doing stuff in a, a new platform that we have, Be Different, and that's kind of kind of cool. But I went, gee, if other schools could do as well as this, and it really is focused on the learner and their learning and adapting to them. So again, Jess is really cool at maths, and the maths that she does is suited to her. And, you know, we're both again in year nine, and I get stuff suited to me. And I don't have to wait two weeks to get my test results back or my, you know, formative assessment back. Pretty instantaneous. And not only that, I'm not embarrassed that you show me up yet again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sure that wouldn't actually happen. But <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> no, that's all good. Well, um, and there's, is there any other um, innovations that come to mind other than that particular one? As I said, adaptive testing, the um, online presence of quality, the drop away in the need for behaviour management, arguably, um, and particularly the focus on teachers of using their professional substantive knowledge and skills to really craft and hone those further in maximising student learning and uh, their wellness. And one of the bits that's been missing, you know, one of the reasons why we have such high rates of um, youth issues and so forth in Australia with suicide and other things, is that inability to address that wellness side. And I think that's going to come through very strongly because people right now are learning new beliefs, new values. Um, I actually just went to the supermarket and nobody came within about two metres of me. It was kind of cool. I went, oh, good. <laughs> so those sorts of things, uh, yeah, even seeing friends wave at a distance or whatever, talk to them on the phone or in other ways, but uh, connection. Because one of the things, just I must say, is that whilst we may be physically distant, as a student working from home or whatever, we absolutely need the social connection because our human brains are designed for social interaction. And so, yeah, you need to ensure that's maintained. Enjoying this episode? Subscribe to Seek University Commentary on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts for more. And remember to rate, review, and share. In a way, even though we are socially distancing and, you know, we are learning to to reconnect. I think that's a good thing because, for example, one of the – I happen to belong to a men's group that's just formed, the six of us, okay. and they call it the Connect Group, and yeah. uh, you get to phone one another, and then for an hour and a half on Wednesday nights, we're on a Zoom session. And so okay. talking stuff, whatever stuff is, and the, the, the yep. casual social chat on the phone – and just checking up with one, how are you doing, you know, how, how, how's, whatever it is. And uh, I think that, that that attention to really valuing other people more and respecting them more will help a whole bunch of ways because once you stop those neural firings in the brain that say it's okay to, for example, for some men, unfortunately, and some women, uh, mm-hmm. domestic violence and things like that, once you calm that sort of stuff down and you have other things firing up helpful habits what will happen is those bad ones will tend to fade away. And I think this moment in time, this moment in history is helping us to decide, well, what do we value? And yes, unfortunately, we're coming on the the heels of a lot of difficult things, for example, in domestic violence. Mm -hmm. And thus, they're predicting, of course, that to escalate initially. But I see long term, if we can get people to change their values that little bit and to actually say, that's not helpful thinking. 
I've got to do this, that, and the other. Whether I'm a student who's angry or whatever, that's not going to help me learn. It's going to just shut down my ability to get the blood flow, the neural firing, the prefrontal cortex where I need it. It's going to take, I often talk about the green bit at the front of the head, that's where you want the, the activity, if you like, the blood flow, neural firing, neurochemistry sort of stuff going well for you, the neurobiology. The limbic area, which is vaguely called the orange, like the stoplights, and then the brainstem, the red bit. Unfortunately, we're seeing a number of people right now because they're frustrated, they're terribly anxious, mm-hmm. hitting the orange bits pretty often. But as they learn to become more resilient, like the kids, I think find that we get a much better approach to, I can be kind and respectful to others, and they can be kind and respectful to me. So I see an initial problem, if you like, that we're hearing about in the media, both social yep. and mainstream, changing, I hope. Okay. Yeah, well, fingers crossed. <laughs> no, that sounds really good. And it's, it's quite refreshing too to hear, um, you know, of the, the positives that are coming out of this, this situation in particular. Yes. Now, uh, the, the shake-up, as you may call it, to the school term, where parents help teach children uh, from home, do you think this will have um, a lasting impact on kids in terms of um, the education that they're receiving, could this potentially put them behind in their school year? A three-letter word, yes. Okay. Because um, a number of parents don't feel skilled and they say teachers should be paid more money wearing all that sort of stuff. Please take them back as quick as you can. Uh, It's not a matter of advanced babysitting. It's a matter of I actually can't do that year 10 uh, novel thing that my boy has to do or that year 12 maths that my girl has to do or whatever. And so for a number of folks, they suddenly had thrust upon them uh, stuff. You know, who is the prime educator of their children? The parent carer. Um, Schools and that teachers support them in that, but they have specific things they're doing, curriculum and all the rest of it that's been very well designed over quite a few years. You know, we've got the Australian curriculum basically all the way through these days and and assessments associated with that that are really of high quality. Yeah, you can criticise it a bit, but uh, are very good, very good indeed. Um, and so parents aren't equipped to do that. It's a bit like saying, well, I think I'll fly a plane and, um, you know, until I develop the appropriate skills, probably not a good idea to fly with me, Jess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will definitely um, not be getting on board. <laughs> okay. But I guess in this um, trying situation, though, they are doing the best that they can. And, you know, schools are definitely helping the cause in making online resources and other educational materials available to parents, I guess, to to help them um, feel more confident in yeah. assisting. And, you know, it may be for a short term, it may be for a long term, but at least there's some support there for them. Well, to give you an idea in Queensland, for example, we've got the Curriculum Authority, the Queensland Curriculum Assessment Authority, and, uh, for example, Education Queensland, that have a lot of resources there already that uh, pick up almost off the shelf. Not quite true, but like that. In fact, uh, the Department of Education Queensland has so refined their materials, they drill down to a lesson, their um, curriculum to classroom sort of stuff that's uh, around. And again, one can be critical of that, but it also is uh, of use, particularly if you're a parent, to be able to sort of get things uh, off the shelf. But 
once we get post this and we go back to situations where professionally trained and very experienced teachers rather than novices because you know if, if, if you've got children yourself folks you, you know what it's like to deal with your one or two or three or whatever number of children you've got it's very different when you're dealing with 25 and six different classes across the day and whatever else in different subject areas so it's a lot more intense than the the, the snap snapshot you get with your limited exposure but could i make this one point you know how doctors currently, a number of them are doing tele-doctor stuff for one of better descriptions, where effectively, if you need a script or mm -hmm. some sort of um, attention for a diagnosis and then a prognosis of uh, what to do and all the rest of it, um, what's happening is they're able to do that online. They wouldn't do that before, and for very good reason. You'll be able to have the diagnosis done and say, well, you need this antibiotic for that or you need that ointment or whatever it is, and the script is automatically going through to your pharmacist so you don't have to go into the surgery and get it all signed and goes through to your pharmacy straight away and they drop it off at your front door so i actually haven't walked away from my computer well hopefully i have because you should, should get up every half hour you know, <laughs> body but that's another story on neuroscience uh, exercise is critical as we keep on hearing in the things right now but just yeah. that nice tell doctor will teaching be a little more along that line Will in the future nurses play a stronger role and pharmacists and so forth in the medical health system um, to support uh, the sorts of things that perhaps doctors may not necessarily be needed in and other things they can focus on? So that that notion of tell me, doctor, your medication arrives at the door without yeah. having left your home. I don't think we need to get in education quite that. But the, because of the social connection being absolutely critical and so on, uh, especially as you develop and need those social skills. Too. Um, but I do think we'll see a blending between teledoctor and what we used to do. Okay. That's an interesting um, insight. And do you think the, the use of, I guess, video conferencing communication tools that children are, are becoming familiar with now is going to help them in the long run as well because you know i remember being back in school this sort of technology was just you know even if it existed it wasn't used in the classroom so do you think this is sort of preparing them for you know uh tertiary education uh, is it preparing them for the workplace really early on i think so because uh, basically it's, you've hit the nail on the head you know as a, a certain types of workers, obviously, if I'm driving a tractor, this is not going to work too well. But course, um, on yeah. a phone. But if I've got an office job or whatever, and I can, you know, use Zoom, whatever materials is, and apparently the Zoom subscriptions have gone through the roof, um, where people are able to interact at a distance and so forth. Yeah, it's preparing that as well as the online learning, because a lot of folks find that um, they're working odd hours, they've got kids to look after, they've got holidays they'd like to go on. And so the traditional ways of the school term and even, dare I say, the university term, mean the number of folks would like greater flexibility. And I think okay. that's one of the things that will happen because right now we sort of run our schools at the most inopportune time. For example, adolescents, we know they like to party on late till about 12, 1 a.m. and then get up late. And they need around, for example, nine and a half, ten hours of sleep from the research. Uh, and uh, they actually, uh, according to Australian stats, uh, large numbers of students get about seven and a quarter. So currently, okay. they're arriving at school stressed from sleep deprivation and things like that, that I think 
in this new future, they'll learn that, oh, I've really got to look after myself, go to bed at the same time, get up at the same time, practice sleep hygiene, do a bit of mindfulness, whatever it is that they learn about for their wellness. And I think it will help change because people are really going to focus in more on their health, much more than they've ever done before. And you can see that happening and the change as you walk out in the street. Is a, well, not the street, but the shopping place that I went to a moment yeah. ago. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. so NAPLAN testing may not be going ahead in 2020, but students are definitely learning new skills uh, during this time. Yeah, and some are put on hold, unfortunately, and it's a terrible thing if you're a youngster. If you think of it, if your education is put on, let's say you're five years old, if your education is put on hold for, for, for six months, for 12 months, for 18 months, that's getting close to almost half your life has been put on hold from the more formal sorts of things we expect kids to do. Be telling down the track, I'm not sure, obviously, because with our brain plasticity, we can, of course, have that attitude. Yeah, I'm going to learn that and do it quickly and sorts of stuff. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I hate to say it, but especially for the younger folks, mm -hmm. it's a bit of a problem that they're not being exposed to high-quality learning experiences uh, in some instances. In others, they're fine. But, look, I'm a parent, been a teacher for many years in university and so on. I'm really glad I don't have to homeschool my kids. But some people like it a lot. Yep. Um, and okay. that's good on them. But the vast majority of us want to go to work and socialise at work, earn some money not have to do uh, that particular job and especially when we feel ill-equipped and especially when you feel like oh dad's telling me this again i don't believe him whereas if it was a teacher oh that, that that's authority that that's good yeah. I'll, I'll listen to that one not not dad <laughs> yeah a completely different story really when a teacher is <laughs> telling you yeah. to do something well Thank you very much, Ken, for joining me today to discuss everything NAPLAN testing and, and beyond. Um, I guess it's an exciting time for the education space at the at the moment. You know, many may not see it um, as that as such, but, you know, definitely the benefits will prevail down the track. And, um, yeah, in the meantime, uh, stay safe and um, I'll be uh, look forward to chatting to you down the track. Stay safe, Jess. Thank you.